1: Welcome to episode 31 of your Missing the Point podcast, where we discuss the weird, the wonderful, and the downright bizarre aspects of life, as we have conversations with people from all over the world. Today, I'm joined by a mother and son team taking self-sufficiency to the next level through permaculture, apiculture, and homesteading. A pair that are standing their ground, making their voices heard to ensure that Australia's bees and wildlife are not decimated by the government's botched handling of the virile mite outbreaks. Let us welcome Andrea and James. Welcome, guys. Oh, thank Good evening. You. How are you? Thank you for having us. Not a problem at all, guys. Now, might that's something we're going to get into pretty quickly, but it's a hell of a thing that's happening in Australia. We've been very lucky that our, our country is geographically isolated from the rest of the world. We have a natural water border protecting our nation, and we've got so many great biosecurity processes in place that might really caught a lot of people unawares, didn't it?
0: Yeah, it definitely did. Um, especially since it's been so far down the track and they've they've tried to hide it the best they could. So it sort of just everyone got this hit of, wow, they've already killed twenty-four thousand hives and they've already started this process.
1: So if we go back, it was now a lot of the internationalists wouldn't realize that what varol mite is, but essentially it's like a flea for bees, essentially. It's a little mite that attaches itself to bees. Um, very detrimental to hives, lowers the production of honey, kills bees off, really detrimental to the European honeybee. Now, Australia, as I said, hadn't had an infestation like this up until last year, and I believe it was June of 2022. So
0: so Australia has had five incursions before of virile mite, but they've all been caught before they got spread out, Um, and that was all in the last 15 years. And, um, yeah, this it's just taken off. Recently, uh, after 12 months, it's been down the track and the Viral might would have had to have been here a minimum of 10 to 12 months beforehand um, to actually establish itself.
1: So just the sheer scope and the size of these air quotes red zones, they would have had to have been here undetected for that long for them to, to be at the scale they are.
0: And and that's where the question comes in um, for the fact that they're following this red zone out, but there should have been hive movements way below Sydney and all through New South Wales by the time they actually detected this mite, this mite here.
1: Unreal! It's um, it's quite scary for Australian agriculture and everything that we've got going on for our country, as we're seen as the food bowl of Southeast Asia. That something like this could have detrimental impacts on our economy. Just going yeah. off the government standard figures, you're looking at something anywhere from 70 million um, a year in damages if it goes beyond it's, the red zone borders.
0: Yeah, so um, you'll definitely have a drop in bees altogether if feral mite does continue doing its thing, but we're going to have a worse drop with um, the, just all these bees being killed. Uh, every single country lives with this mite and Australia's approach is to kill everything untested or if they've tested back clean.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, the government, as most things, they t- tend to have a knee-jerk reaction and end up going down a path that probably isn't the most well thought out or reflective yeah. on other practices around the world.
0: Especially when we've got um, another mo- uh, another species of bug here that can destroy a hive within a week. This this varroa might takes two years to destroy a hive. Um, and we've got the black uh the hive beetle here, and I, I've personally seen that destroyed in a week, and they they tried to get rid of it when it first came here. It was unsuccessful um at, at, at eradication, and we've learned to live with it. We don't go around killing all the hives
2: and look we we nobody wants varroa, and it would have been a great thing to if the Dpi actually had' been able to you know control it. But we're looking at over 160 um, sites now, and 12 months. Literally they they 12 just months expanded
0: in. the red zone yeah. again. 12 months down the track to kill more hives.
1: And it can nearly, and from my research, it can take nearly up to three years before those sites can become operational again. Uh,
0: yeah, yeah, from the last from the last um, infected hive that's been spotted. So if, every time a hive has been found with varroa mite, then it gets
1: extended. It just resets the clock each time. Fuck yeah, yep. Scary stuff. Now, if we go back for a little trip down memory lane, what did you guys think of varroa mite outbreaks when you heard of it? Like naturally you guys have been into the permaculture and homesteading side of things. What was um, the news like for you when you heard of it being around your areas?
0: Well, we were scared. We were originally worried. We are hoping the DPI could deal with this and it wouldn't get to the point where... They were just outright killing all the different hives. And really no one knew what was going on because they they sort of just worked down the wave and no one had that platform or anything or um to to show it out there. And it wasn't until it hit us ten months down the track that um we eventually like I put my foot down. It actually didn't hit us. It it got a hive that was apparently ten kilometers away that they couldn't even they won't tell you where it was. The only other person we knew with hives on that road didn't have varroa mite, and they only just killed their hives last week, but we're 10 kilometres away. They killed us two months ago.
1: So when they're, this government body's going about and determining what hives need to be destroyed within a certain radius of an outbreak, do they have a legal requirement to prove that varroa mite's actually been found in these nests, or are they just prematurely
0: slashing and, and burning
1: yeah. everything in sight?
0: And you don't have a right when it comes to this. They will come onto your property. If you want to resist, I'll bring the cops. And um you have to watch your bees being killed or, yeah, that's about it. And you can't objectify against it. You can't do anything really. You can't try and save them Um, because if they get there and your bees are missing or knowing their hives, you know, they're going to know something's up. And it's $1.1 million in fines each.
1: It's and on top of that, it must be absolutely devastating to see that happen to to your to your prod your production value things your your hives you're connected to these animals. People might say they dismiss it because they're just insects. It's not like they're they cows or they're horses or what have you. But you're still emotionally invested in in mm-hmm. things you're putting together. We're...
2: Bees have um, facial recognition yeah they know their owners,
0: and without bees, we don't have life we don't have food they're one of the most crucial animals to absolutely everything, especially when ninety to ninety five percent of all produce is produced in Australia. You have to have these European bees to pollinate all your imported crops or your crops for your meat um and all of these especially and then you've got forty five percent of registered hives in New South Wales, so Having this might here where everyone's being self sufficient along the coastline is just really destroying everyone's food economy and all that, except mainstream.
1: Now, is there uh, a differentiation between what you would consider homesteaders, backyard beekeepers, and large scale commercial type of beekeeping? Has there been any kind of a differentiation between their approaches Um, there? So, yeah. So, all the organic, all the small,
0: beekeepers, basically anyone that has a small setup under a certain amount of hive that's not commercial, they all get their hives wiped out and then they get their payment of 550 bucks for a hive, but not a super. Uh, if you're a commercial bee grower, then you get your payment for your hive and your supers and then um, you cost get for the honey cost well. for the honey as well. Then if you're a commercial grower, that's one of these people that are paying 20%, of the um for of this response the dpi's response which are the 16 funding bodies which are your almond growers and your commercial farmers that respond that are sponsoring this they get to keep their bees they're allowed eighty thousand hives on a property and if one test positive for mite, that one hive gets killed the rest of them are left not not out here when you're in the middle of the bush and one gets one far away gets tested they don't need to show that evidence they'll kill everything in a 10 kilometer zone
1: so they're like a lot of times they're they're contradicting themselves in their own practices. Do they have a a legal or a scientific reasoning behind only destroying the one hive that the varroa has been found what in? Because do they want you to eat
0: bugs and the mainstream? <laughs> it's like you look you look at the. The whole entire setup behind it. it's just absolutely ridiculous with what they're what they're planning here, and they are going to say that we're going to get a food shortage from this because these farms also get um, money from the government for lack of pollination, but they're not going to get as many fruits or vegetables or your nuts, your almonds and that. So these mainstream fruits and vegetables are just going to shoot up in the market. So the pricing is going to go right through the roof. And that's the only stuff you're allowed to eat because all your self-sufficient fruits, all the people around the area growing this fruits, all the small gardens from Newcastle—they're everywhere. They—they they can't produce um, fruits with you no know, European bees, especially. They're not just getting rid of that; they're killing all the bees.
1: Yeah, there's a. If I was to put my little tin foil hat on, I dare say there's a bigger agenda at play, but I can't personally prove that myself. So we kind of have to just look at the actions of the people that are undertaking it. And so far, they're kind of painting themselves with a brush that's not looking good. Yeah. Yeah. So currently, there's, I believe there's 800 baiting stations within New South Wales alone. Is that correct?
0: Yeah, 600. so there's that's act so there's six six hundred active by now, and then there's plus eight hundred that are just sitting there. So they've probably got another two or three hundred in backup that they're still putting out. because they have to put these um, every two and a half kilometers northeast, south, and west of each other, and. Which is going to be impossible anyway, but um
2: just where Varrora has been detected, they in, need in to the put red it zones. That, those but areas. It doesn't
0: work like with with this chemical, you've seen it happen in um with Fibrinol, the insecticide. You've seen this happen in uh Queensland where they've used it for termites up there um once before and they wiped out the whole entire native green carpenter to be up there um but when they're using it on purpose here we're going to have a lot more devastational effects not just on our native bee population but all of our animal populations our worm populations um and our waterways and grounds
1: yeah fipronil it's a a dangerous little nerve agent and for listeners who aren't aware of what it does it's a contact type of a, a poison or chemical that in the likes of bees and ants and other hive insects, if one gets in contact with it, or take it back to the nest and contaminate the whole the whole hive or the whole nest, and like you said, it can wipe out entire ecosystems.
0: Yeah, and it's not just that these bees, but um, well, once a hive you're left with an unguarded hive that has this toxic chemical in it for that's left there for two years, and these animals can over that time will come in and continue this cycle, and. On top of that you've got native uh you've got the European bees which don't even make it home sometimes they can overdose a station, and these European bees won't make it home. they get disorientated they fly around and hit the ground, and that's when a lot of other native bees will also come in or other insects and eat the fallen down bees and steal their honey, taking it back to their hives and yeah. continuing this poisoning and It's such a small amount um that you need present for any any animal to be killed or really harmed from this chemical
1: yeah there's some some very disturbing footage going around of uh, a long-nosed bandicoot which is looks like it appears it's been impacted by it you could definitely got the shakes and some central nervous system issues going on so yeah if it's impacting us. yeah that sorry
2: a couple that was sent to us just recently but that was recorded like some people yeah, have just... said that's fake and i and my response to that is that was actually recorded quite a few months ago like we've been doing yeah, this for two months and it was recorded well before we even came on the scene these then, people have no yeah. reason to lie about and
0: then that. on top of that it's right next to the baiting station you see how it's kicking around and you see how it acts it's exactly like a nerve agent would act on an animal like this um and it's yeah it's absolutely disgusting when it comes to it because that, that animal is going to die and then you're going to have birds feast on that you're going to have other wildlife that's going to come and have a look wherever it dies it's also going to poison it's it's just terrible
1: yeah um there's a way for the listeners to try and understand how this stuff works is fipronil is or one of the active ingredients in fipronil is a part of what we use for flea and worm treatment in dogs and cats in australia and anyone knows that you have to put the flea and uh, worm treatment on a spot where the animal can't lick or get get into it because naturally that's going to be ingested and the animal's going to be in severe distressed they it could be poisoned by it in extreme circumstances you get the exact same behaviors and actions that you see in that long-nosed bandicoot video yep. yeah
2: yeah and people people say oh you know it's the same stuff that's in fleet um and tick collars well yeah that might be the case but you don't see bees flying on those tick collars and and that and eating off those it's a it's a different yeah.
0: design of chemical. There's a lot of companies that make it, and if you go into the axe, they have four different triphenyl chemicals that they're actually using um, in quite in different dosages. Um, so they're not just using one, and that's a completely different triphenyl to what they're using here.
1: Yeah, and you, you'll see overseas that that goes by a couple of the different names as well. But it's, it's available for... in most places around the world. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. The European right. Union, the United Kingdom have flat out banned it just to, on the impacts it has on the biodiversity of certain areas in which it's been used. Um, in a lot of spaces, it's been used to poison uh, insects that are in crops in a lot of fields within Europe, especially, and it's had detrimental effects in the past.
2: Well, they use it in the cotton fields mm-hmm. here in Australia. But, you know, you don't need bees out there. And obviously there are no bees out there. And, if
0: and the reason they're spraying this stuff for the cotton fields all the time is your cotton trees need to die. Um, obviously they, they're keeping them, um, keeping the insects off. But at the same time, these cotton trees need to die because that's the only way you can sprout cotton.
1: It's a, yeah. it's a very dangerous system that Australia gets itself in. In a lot of ways we have some fantastic agricultural approaches, but then we seem to be... years behind the rest of the world in a lot of aspects.
0: Exactly when it comes I mean we're absolutely booming here in Australia when it comes to self-sufficiency and agriculture permanent agriculture and more sustainable ways of living and eating healthier especially along the mid-north coast and around these areas just the whole coastline here because there's always flowers there's always people it's a it's a great environment here and this is where they've hit this is they, they, they're they trying to protect the major farms but get rid of all the small ones.
1: And these baiting stations, they're in theory being put out to try and get a hold on top of the, the wild European bee populations that may be out there. But the issue being is that, like you said, it's impacting other insects, native bees, which are extremely important to our own native flora and fauna. Definitely. But, but the fact that is that these baiting stations, they're targeting not just the European bees, but at insect species like the, the native bee that aren't susceptible to varroal mite. Our native bees can't actually be impacted by these little, little buggers. So yep. it, we're, it's like chemotherapy for the bee world at the moment. We're slashing and burning everything we can yep. to it's try like and get bee. something out. <laughs> <laughs> it's a repeat. I mean, they're using the
0: same biosecurity laws and they've, they've really, like, you can't like get through this stuff. What they put on these um these whole entire situations if you try and take them to court they're just going to take you, keep you there and drain you because
2: yeah the biosecurity nothing you can act prove. is actually on a thing so whatever that thing is it might be you know next next year it might be a a different type of flea that your dog's got that is a danger um a biosecurity danger and guess what all your dogs are going to be put down because they're carriers of this flea so the biosecurity act is literally over a thing there's yes. nothing There's no name
1: on it it's it's very scary um uh, victoria's biosecurity act was amended last year by dan andrews
0: That's
1: and awesome. and it uh, it essentially stated that government agents without identifying who they are with credentials can step foot onto your property seize yep. destroy take any of your crops produce or livestock and not even have to tell you why they that's, don't even have to give any reasoning behind it. That's with that's,
0: that's what they're putting in this new because they have to redo this act every six months for this. And they, the new one, it sort of has that written in there in a sneaky way that these um, DPI agents, I call them, um, because they literally are um, – can pull you, will have the right if they suspect you of carrying bee equipment and that to have the right to take you out of the car and search your vehicles and stuff like this. This is where humans and these people that have no training and getting special privileges from the government to destroy other people's lives. They're all on power trips.
1: It's it's very concerning. I've I've seen a lot of the, the footage of these agents <laughs> interacting <laughs> with people, and they just don't care. They're pouring diesel down into these beehives, covering it with plastic to try and. S- just absolutely smother them out and kill them, and they couldn't care. It's just yeah. a, jo- a job for them at the end of the day. Some of them
0: try and simply like go, oh, you know, we don't want this. We know how it is. You know, this is not what we and wanted. Yeah, but they're putting on a face, a facade almost, and they're like, they I get it. They're trying to do their job, put food on the table for their kids. But when you're killing this thing that's creating the food, you're not going to have any food to be putting on the table for your kids. There's a difference between, you know, money and morals. And you just got to really stand up when it comes to this, not just listen to the government.
1: Yeah. um, Let's go to a, a worst case scenario before we go to the things that we can do to try and prevent this or raise awareness about what's going on. If this is allowed to happen, Full scale, and the government just keeps expanding those red zones because they say that all mites in these spaces. We don't know whether they are or not. Exactly. What's going to happen long term if this is allowed to happen?
0: So, basically, we're going to reach a point where we're going to absolutely struggle to um, repopulate our bees. Um, they, a lot of these are honey bees, not um, pollinating bees as well. And they mainly use for creating honey and they do pollinate at the same time. So, these are absolutely absolutely going to take ages to get back into production to redo thirty thousand hives, and then on top of that, New South Wales ships an absolute ton of bees all the time to overseas for pollinating season, so it's not going to just be Australia that's affected here it's going to be the whole world when it comes to pollination because they really do rely on australian bees
1: so if if this does happen and our food production absolutely tanks it and we've got international impacts as well we're going to definitely Mm -hmm. see a price of food skyrocket and those that can afford it are going to be the exceedingly wealthy and those that can't are going to have to resort to yeah uncle has got the idea hasn't he eat the bugs yeah well they're
0: already pushing it in the schools they're making kids eat uh cricket bolognese and cricket chips and stuff like that so you look at the agenda it's like bugs they can just have as many crickets as they want, but when it comes to cows and that, if they stop these main uh, all these industries from producing the grain and everything that we need, then they're just we're up to shit really in Australia,
1: yeah, and this is where that that healthy little bit of speculation comes into it, so you can almost future project what might happen is if we have major dip in crops for feed for animals and we have a drop in um, fruit and veg that's not being pollinated or brought to the table like it used to be because of these impacts, it doesn't take much for a system to be put in place where we have majority of our food that's available to us in a system that's like a rationing card system, like you would have seen in the former USSR, um, at the during the, the height of the war, those types of things happening.
0: Yeah, point yeah. systems, you know, certain amount of points a month, here's just spending money.
2: The other um, thing is that the price of food—we've all seen it go up. Food, fuel, power—everything's gone up. So a lot of the people, well, predominantly the east coast is is the most densely populated area. So a lot of the people here are all trying to grow gardens ever since COVID hit and the shortages of food and the price rises. Everyone's trying to grow their own food, and now all of a sudden, you know. Our bees are gone and our bees not only affect our place, we've got a 25-acre food forest, it affects the neighbours all around us because our bees would have been going to all their gardens as well. So, yeah, the price is going to go up. You know, we're going to be paying through the roof for for vegetables that are going to be imported long distances that are probably coming from Queensland or Victoria or wherever else. Um, Yeah, it's just not, not going to be worth it at all in the, and in on, the long run
0: and on top of that in 2011 like since the incursions they've written plans up in case we've had another incursion and enough and simply they said i think it was after two to five um infection infections this this is classified as um beyond return like this you can't defeat this mite, and you can see this happening in every other country where this has been present that they can't defeat uh this mite, and you know i I really hope they could and will but by the looks of it 12 months down the track and they're still following it out from the original spot and they're all they're doing is chasing behind it like letting it go and chasing behind it not stopping it Mm -hmm. in its tracks
1: it's almost like they're using the approach that australia had with COVID as well it's like the it's a lockdown situation while the rest of the world's opening up the varroa here it's endemic now we can put yep. control systems in place, but to slash and burn everything we've got and we contain areas doesn't work.
2: Yeah.
0: Well, now they've opened up bee travel for across the borders. So you can bring your bee from the um, surveillance zone and let it sit there for a couple of weeks if you have a thousand bees you only need to test like i think it's 20, 26, 26 yeah. now you only need to test 26 out of the thousand hives let them sit there for a couple of weeks and then you're allowed to take them over the border so this is where the other trouble is going to come in is they're, they're allowing this spread through something that you, they they're claiming that Sometimes you can't see this for for three months because it's in the brood. So how is a couple of weeks sitting there with 26 tests out of 1,000 hives going to actually do anything? It's not.
1: It's beggars belief. Now, to me, that sounds like they're intentionally wanting it to spread across the entire eastern seaboard of Australia.
0: That's if it hasn't already. The thing is, we've had incursions before. You look at this spread. And it makes no sense how this spread has come along. I reckon if they actually tested the whole entire New South Wales, you'd find cases absolutely everywhere. Um, and the thing is, mite with with this um, country's climate, mite does not um, have, can, well, does not spread as fast as other countries. It can't live as well because of our heat. Um, as soon as, it, like a beehive's already at 35 degrees etern- internally, Verolmite, Um, prefer around 28 to 32 once it gets above 32 it's too starting to get too hot for them so it's already uncomfortable enough for them in a beehive um, especially a powerful one now when you um, start getting hot days and a bee goes out and it's above 35 degrees and then it gets into the 40s that might can only survive for a couple of hours so they've even got treatments where they put the boxes bee boxes in actual little
1: incubators incubators Yeah. yeah Yeah, if if that's one natural treatment, are there any other treatments worldwide that have been applied to this that could be employed? I've been seeing treatments
0: daily. Literally, I've I've seen so many new companies popping up, so many new treatments, it is getting to the point where it's like, Why aren't we looking at these treatments? Why aren't we looking at better testing methods? Why are we killing innocent bees? What are the what are they doing here? What are they trying to achieve? Absolutely nothing except it's
2: because the the commercial beekeepers or the be- commercial honey people don't want chemicals in their, their honey. They don't want to treat them with chemicals. Not that, you know, not that okay, they're using chemicals on a chemicals. Scale, on the large scale. They would feel like they need to use chemicals because that's the only way that they could on such a large scale. But on a, you know, it can be treated without. The chemicals but yeah yeah I, like there's it.
0: another method sent today and it was just a, a juice i use that some
2: sort of oil or yeah something?
0: an oil and it's mixed with two natural chemi- uh two natural compounds and they put it in the they do six treatments a year in each hive and they spray about uh 20 to 40 milliliters of this liquid in and it, it kills a varoma mine. you can see how infested the hive.
1: Yeah, that's my that was my instant thought. Essentially, it's like a flea of a bee, right? So I instantly go to lice on chickens. There's plenty of natural ways to treat chickens that's for exactly. lice. So why aren't we applying this to even a small scale?
0: It yeah, just well, boggles the mind. And then on top of that, you know, you've got your your um when you have to test them, they're using ethanol to do this. So they they take 300 bees from every hive. Well, you have to do that. Take 300 bees from every hive every 16 weeks. Put put them into a container, shake a shaker cup pour your ethanol over them, shake them around to kill them and dislodge your smite. Now, it's all good and well, but when the government tells you and says on their websites and everything that the sugar wash works and everyone knows the sugar wash works where you can redo it with powdered sugar and ethanol and release the bees back into their hive to be cleaned up, you know, it really puts puts it in front of your face that they they want to take every unethical approach they can from pouring petrol into them to originally burning them. Um, yeah, it's it's really torturous how they're doing it.
1: Now, now, Andrew, this is a question directed for you. We're starting to see a picture being painted here by the governments and the corporations of Australia that there's alternative treatments that are available. There's ways in which they should be slowing the spread of this, but they're not. There actually looks like they're heightening it. They've got a Biosecurity Act in place where, like you said, it's labelled as a thing and they can come in and take whatever you have off your property Do you have concerns? You've got a very intelligent, well-articulated son here who's got the rest of his life ahead of him. Are you concerned for his livelihood in permaculture and growing in self-sufficiency if the government's going to apply these types of things to, say, a a rot on food or trees or, say, a a foot-and-mouth disease outbreak in cattle? Are, Are you at all concerned about where this is heading potentially?
2: Absolutely. I mean, everything that we've done here on the property is to be self-sufficient and it's to lay down the foundation for the future of these boys and their family. Um, so yeah, you know, the whole purpose of it was to to grow our own food. When it does come to animals and things like that as well, we're going to have our own animals. And and yeah, it's it's something that we we're obviously concerned about now that we have an issue where it could be anything. Like you said, it could be foot and mouth. It could be a rot and, on the trees.
0: People don't want to register their stuff anymore. It's not like we're telling them don't register your stuff. We're just pointing out the obvious Obvious that the government has scared the crap out of everyone and they don't want to register their bees anymore and they don't want to register their animals. They don't trust them anymore.
2: Yeah, this is a hole that DPI dug for so, themselves. It's a pretty deep one that, you know, the, the issue is that people are not going to um, – register their um, fees or
0: if something serious does come along and it's to the point where it's like oh crap we actually need to do something this is terrible uh well no one's going to tell you and people are just going to do their own thing now
1: well the public trust just isn't there now they've they've kind of played their hand and presented themselves in a way that you really have to question what their motives are like i think the past three years have opened up a lot of people's eyes to other things that governments are doing but the food bowl and agriculture, we're completely reliant. If we don't eat, we die. So I can understand why people are so hesitant about keeping things secret. In the past, we used to have things like victory gardens during the war where the community would band together and grow fruits and vegetables to try and help each other out. It seems like it's almost targeting the average person now. They don't want self-sufficiency. They don't want people to be able to look after themselves.
0: Yeah, Yeah. and they don't take into account that these these, we're supposed to be looking after these animals, these animals that have been looking after us our whole entire existence and we can't live without them. And we are here being the big man by pouring petrol into their hives. They, they spend hundreds of thousands of dollars in working hours being paid. If they were paid minimum age, wage to make one small bottle of honey and people are selling it for 10, 10 bucks and, and that's it. And. That's as far as their mind scope goes when it goes to actual bees and honey, um, and they don't realise that these are actually very, very intelligent creatures that defy gravity and, um, yeah, are absolutely beautiful.
1: Now, this is where co- politics kind of comes into it. There's one end of the political spectrum you'd think would be all over this, the traditional working man's party, a party that's aligned with the Greens, who are Heavily invested in environment and making sure that wildlife is sustainable and looked after, we're not hearing boo out of this, are we?
2: Oh no, no everyone and... is like the crickets, there is no mainstream media there There's is no, no n- none of them are having a bar of it, and I and you've got to ask why like no and... no mainstream media has contacted us whatsoever well
0: we've had one but It's all, it's sort of, it's like a journalist from ABC, but, um, that's the first time I've had contact, but don't know what's coming from there. Um, but other than that, it's all been off, off air. It's all been the background. Um, and yeah, the, even Peter, you'd think would be stepping in on this. Maybe some of the vegan activists and that. Um, because I'll tell you, they're not eating their veggies once the veggies are freaking 20 bucks for an avocado.
1: Um, No, they'll be forced to eat the bugs, which they don't want to do. That's exactly right. (laughs) There's There's been no vegans
0: in (laughs) this So they should be really freaking out over this. And it really shows you their real agenda. A lot of these guys are paid out, told to be quiet, told to shut up. Um, And I can understand a lot of people don't even want to come out because they're scared for their life. Um, I should really be. I'm I'm only 19 and these guys already put a target on my head by labelling me misinformation and trying to, ruined my 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 face um through all the beekeepers so
1: yeah this is the danger that we kind of see in the past 20 years ago even if you were a person who was self-sufficient grew your own food had your own animals tried to not be reliant on things not use chemicals do things naturally you were seen as a a hippie or a east coast type of airy (laughs) fairy type of person right now people who do that are considered extremists and yeah. um in some cases domestic terrorist lists in a lot of places around the world. So it's a big concern that people like yourselves who are just trying to look out for yourselves, be more self sufficient, actually look out for the planet, yeah. um, are being labeled in such derogatory negative terms.
0: And it's not yeah, and that and it's also looking out for for the people, the kids. You know, the the kids are so important and these all, every, all these kids are going to be affected from this i don't think these poor little innocent souls need to be eating cockroaches and crickets um and on top of that these families don't deserve to be living in trauma and absolutely Destroying their mindsets because they're scared of um, living daylights of the DPI because they're threatening them. They're trying to take them to court. They want to investigate them. Um, there's a they're lot of bullies. cases. They're, they're bullying, bullying
2: a lot of the BK. They're
0: bullies and they're um, they're just unacceptable. They're they're abusing their power.
1: Now, you have said the not you've only had one media out that attached you for, um, for a, a smaller story and nothing really big time or limelight wise. I'm actually really surprised the likes of a garden in Australia hasn't contacted you.
2: Yeah, what have tried to reach out to you? Seven, a current affair.
1: Everyone's Do you name it,
2: all the chat all the mainstream media have been and all the parliament like all the, the members of parliament, they've all been tagged. Not once even but
0: even dozens um, of times. People like uh What's his name? Robert Irwin and stuff like that. You know, they've been tagged and you'd think some of these Costa. people that care about the animals and these bigger people and the gardeners and all that, where are they? Where are the... Yeah, yeah Costa, none of them have they ever been
2: tagged. They're all just, it's quick. It's no one wants to no one either cares, be they've either been warned not to, to touch or to stay off or they're just, you know, going to be complacent and not, you know, not mm. help
0: at all but they've you know they've I, i've seen some people and um i've since i've got this video a lot more people have come forwards to us and told us their stories and all this and there's people out there that have literally come back veterans and they have they've gone to therapy and they've traumatized the only thing that got them through a lot of this stuff was beast and the TPI have come in and killed all their bees. I reckon this bloke has been put back four years in therapy. Um, the fact that you can do that and be happy with yourself is just absolutely disgusting. Uh, it's not just the bees. It's not just that. It's the kids. It's the people's minds. It's, it's everything is affected from me and other industries. There's a industry up the road that builds bee boxes for everyone. They hire disabled workers. They have over 100 disabled workers where are they all going to go? Their industry dropped by 70% in the last couple of months, lower than that now. So it's absolutely devastating when it comes to our whole entire country's economy.
2: The, the ripple effect will carry on, not only in the ecosystem with the Frippinol, but, you know, with the employment, the beekeeper, yeah, all the people that are selling bee equipment in New South Wales. Nobody's selling anything. There's no point.
1: Yeah, it's it's a very it makes you feel like that it's hopeless. There's no point to doing anything. And like you said, if you, your, your main employer is uh, making bee, bee boxes and nests and even ones for native bees, well, if there's no native bees around because they're being baited to death and poisoned, people aren't going to buy those to put up in their gardens or anything like that anymore. Yeah, and
0: native bees can't pollinate um, like European bees can anyway. We, we rely on the European bees to pollinate uh, 85% of all imported crops. And then on top of that, the native bees won't come out of their, degree, uh, their hive unless it's over 18 degrees. Um, so you're really left with this grey zone of no pollination, even if the native bees were around.
2: They are trying to take, um, there was talk and I've seen an article that they were trying to um, take bee, uh, Sorry, flies up to Coffs Harbour to do the pollination. Now, I don't know where you are, but most of the time flies disappear in the winter anyway. So that's really not going to help. But Just who wants flies around? Flies.
1: Like, <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking there might be a more of a World Economic Forum plan to use small, tiny drones to do that for people at an inflated yeah, well, cost.
0: The, there's a there's a whole Netflix series, a series, an episode called Black Mirror, where they replace all the bees with artificial bees. Um and it's really bizarre. Now you look at that and Bill Gates coming here and he's invested into that. And then you look into the GMO seed companies that also, um, are investing into DPI and this, this whole entire thing. And they're linked to a whole bunch of deep bee deaths, absolutely millions of bee deaths because bees get poisoned by GMO seeds. Um, and why, why do these guys do port? and all that, and DuPont, and um, the seed these company they own, why, why are they paying the DPI? Why do they have a alliances with the DPI? At the
1: same time, this is all happening. Well, it kind of comes back to the same thing as COVID where our, our own integrity body around mandating vaccines, their major funding comes from Big Pharma.
0: Yes, and they also got a vaccine for the bee.
1: <laughs> of course they do. And I bet yeah. it's going to be mRNA-based as well. Probably. Yep. So let's try and let's try and finish this conversation on a bit more of a high on the positives. Where can we go to? What can we do to raise awareness and try and find some solutions and all this? So
0: your best bet is to get your yellow banners up, which are "Save the Bees, No Bees, No Food" written on them, or just by themselves, yellow ribbons um, or banners, and uh, we hang them around our cars. We put them basically everywhere we can. Um, it because it strikes a conversation. So, the best thing we can do is try and bring awareness to it so people can understand what's going on to bring people together as a community to try and fight against this. Another thing is write to your local members, try and try and stop them. If you find out what if there's uh, baiting boxes in your area, the people have been lied to about what baiting boxes are being told they're bee monitoring systems. So, try and get in contact with the neighbor that has it on their property because I guarantee they won't know. Um, so we've, we've
2: actually got some sample letters on our um, on our Instagram and that sort of stuff. It's a, a link on our bio. And we've done up several different letters to your local members, to the local lands. You can use them, readjust them, do whatever you want with them. But we're happy for people to use them as an example and then just start punching your your letters out to your local members and yeah, start demanding that they stop this, or you know, the removal of the frippinol bait stations from national parks and things like that. So yeah, and we we just want people to one to start a conversation and two to yeah start writing your letters and and getting that that out there.
0: Even if they know original custodians of the land um, that they're on or the frippinol is on. That is a very good way to go because I guarantee they're not telling the original custodians of the land we are that they haven't seemed like they've done anything towards this. So, you know, these guys will be absolutely furious. The fact that this Fipronil is being used to kill their own native pollinators.
1: Are there any, speaking of politicians and reaching out to your local members, are there any politicians within New South Wales that are speaking up about this at all? No, not um, so. Senator
2: Rennick, I think, it was mentioned a couple of weeks ago in Parliament, but I think Senator Rennick had had said something about it. I don't know what happened from there on in. But
0: really nothing, nothing publicly, nothing that's out there or really easily to get access to. So they've it, it's been hidden the best I could and it took this long until um, I came up and I did this and... Yeah, it became a threat to them because uh, you you saw the presentation that they did at Erina with, yeah, so they they had a government logo on on that as well. So that had to be approved and everything.
2: So they actually don't really know how to handle James, which is quite ironic (laughs) because they're not sure how to, if it was anybody else, they probably would have shut him down. If Most beekeepers, if they're going to speak up, have been pretty much bullied into shutting their mouth. And they don't know exactly how A lot of the time,
0: you know, they're 30, 40 years old. I'm 19. I'm fresh, I'm young, and I'm ready to give it all (laughs) I can. Um, (laughs) And they can really try and drag my name through the ground. But the thing is, I'm coming out with straight evidence, facts, and I'm not trying to warp the truth. I'm trying to bring what is being hidden to the light, to everyone. And it really brings a threat to their whole entire agenda they've got going on here.
1: Yeah. And you know what I think is going to be really helpful to you, mate, that you have to play them at their own game. You have to use science to discredit the, their poor practices that they're using and the poor methods of control that they're using. If we're using the evidence of Europe, of the United Kingdom that shows that fipronil is absolutely horrendous, dangerous stuff that should not be used, it's a carcinogen for one. It's not good for people either. I oh, definitely if, not. If we can prove that this stuff has been banned in other parts of the world, that there are better practices in place, that there are alternative treatments there, and we keep hounding that as a community, I think we're going to be in a good place to try and turn this around because at the end of the day, that's what kind of happened with COVID too. Australia could only keep its doors closed for so long and have its hands over its ears and its eyes completely shut to what was going on. The rest of the world shone a light on what our poor practices were as a nation, and I think that's going to happen with this too.
0: Yeah. Uh, and that that seems like the case. A lot of these other countries are coming in and going, we use this, we use that. There's even people going, we put copper, just copper tape out at the front of the hive. It stops a mite from getting in. And that's intelligent. I mean, it works for a lot of plant pops. It stops snails from getting up and it seems to work for varol ver- ver- mite. So... You've got all of these crazy, crazy methods because everyone is working out how to deal with this around the world, and they've so far been very successful at it after, you know, yeah, you get your initial down um, of bees, but after a while, you learn how to deal with it. People end up, um, you end up getting uh, resistant strains of bees that you can breed that are more resistant against this mite.
1: It seems like you've got the absolute weight of the world on your shoulders, mate, being one of the very few people who's speaking out about this that's able to speak it on this topic what do you do on the homestead to keep yourself going it must seem pretty dark at times when you're up against something so big so what do you do that keeps you going
0: everything you know it's <laughs> it's really non-stop like well I'm always trying I've always got the bees going on in my head trying to work out what to do next and and when I'm doing a video it's normally a day process to get stuff done and this and that but meanwhile I might do some firewood I might try and get to the gym and then um recently it hasn't been a big thing because i've been doing the bees but uh but we and going, we're right? up, but yeah we've got the whole entire farm so we've got animals to look after we're trying to build fences all the time and we're doing this all off our off our own time and off yeah off what we are so we're trying to build our future and
2: the be- the bees were, are, are a small part of what we did like we've got the 25 acre food forest so we basically initially got the bees to help pollinate with the fruit and trees so only this, they're a part of well
0: they're not originally no but we i had we had bees before the food forest we really liked them i love them i fell I fell in love with them i had a passion for them um and still do but the um from there we just sort of bought more and more beehives until the point we had our 18 beehives and we we're eventually going to buy another twenty and then move them into the food forest themselves, and we'll have a total of maybe upwards of fifty hives eventually
2: so yeah we're but still we're still busy still, still running the farm, to- so' we're, we've got projects all over the place, like yeah <laughs> inundated on with projects
0: it's it's yeah it gets hard sometimes, but
1: It's never any but You're in a good place, mate. You're only 19 and you already found yourself in a a position there. This is the lifestyle you want to live where it's taken a lot of people, a global pandemic to figure out that living simpler isn't always living slower or living worse off. It's a better way to live. So I take my hat off to you in that regard and all the best for the, the fight that you're continuing to do on behalf of all of us. And I wish you the very best in that endeavor. Thank you. Awesome guys. Um, please make sure that you send through some links and everything for all of your content and, uh, the letters and such so we can help push that fight for you as well. Um, can you tell the listeners how we can help out? Is there any places we can go to to find your content and information? Um,
0: vast Harvest Permaculture uh we have that on tiktok instagram facebook we're twitter, but twitter we're, Rumble, yeah. we're
2: trying to yeah we're trying that. to get
0: it everywhere now we also have some other podcasts up on z media um cafe, cafe locked yep. out some other ones so we're, we're we have a lot of people on tiktok go yeah why why are not you giving them more information it's like we're, we're trying to we've got podcasts but a lot of people don't know where they are so
1: no worries. Well, I'll definitely shoot your information out to a lot of my international friends. I think they'd get a really big insight into what's happening in Australia out of it, and we can get the word out internationally. And hopefully, that international pressure can do something on the ground. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, thank you, thank you, thank you, guys. This has been a great conversation. For listeners, please help these guys out. Check out their content. Write to your local members, even if you're in a state that is not affected by varroa mite. You need to get that conversation on these people's minds and let them know that we're talking about it out in Australia. All right, everybody. See you next time.
2: Hey everybody. It's closing time. You don't got to go home, but you can't stay
1: here.